Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello and welcome back to another edition of the Holtzcast. Cole Pedham here as always, and we have a full crew here, all five of us. Uh, here to discuss uh, everything Villa. Uh, the last week or so has been absolutely mental. The last 24 to 48 hours has been even more crazy. Um, and I guess we're going to probably start that with the Jack Grealish news. As of right now, he is officially a Manchester City player joining on a hundred million pound deal, um, a record fee for a British player. Um, everyone's feeling different kind of ways, but I think the one thing I want to say more than anything is just be kind to your fellow villain. Um, no need to stick abuse. Um, different people are going to feel different things. Um, he may mean more to others than your friends or colleagues or whatever, So or less. So just be kind, and we'll kind of stick with that note. And I'm sure there might be a little bit of slate in this podcast. I don't know what these four other guys might say, but nonetheless, I just kind of want to put that message out there. But Instead of just kind of introducing each other um, and going that way, I'm just going to kind of let these guys dive right into it. So, Tom, I'll start with you. First of all, how you feeling and uh, thoughts on this news? That's not really groundbreaking. We knew it was coming, but it feels so uh, raw at this time. Yeah, no, I don't think ever in my history of, uh, what, 20 plus years as a Villa fan has the question, how are you feeling, been so difficult to answer. Um it's been a hell of a week, right? Um, but I mean, I think the thing is with the Grealish thing, uh, it's been coming for a long time now, right? We've been through the mill, like the last, particularly the last week and a half. Um, there's been some fans I know holding out hope that he's going to U-turn or it's going to turn out, it's going to turn out to be smoke and mirrors and he's going to stay. Um, I think with hindsight, realistically, it a, a move was always likely to be completed and it does go some way to, um preparing you for it i guess and then i mean i'm sure we'll get into this later but the way in which the club has handled it for the most part i think personally has been very good uh an announcement of transfer business sandwiching the bad news with good news um as we start looking forward to the future um i'm trying to get my thoughts in order really because what this broke like it was confirmed like an hour ago i think at this point but I, I, i'm sort of beyond personally the anger and the sadness stage of it now like I must say that I think every fan is entitled to feel the way they want to feel about it some will be angry some will be sad some will be swearing and blinding at Grealish some will be choosing to relive the 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 good days with him I think any of those emotions is vital people process stuff differently and it is a lot to process honestly um for for a fan base for me I'm beyond the sort of anger and sadness um and I think there's been enough positivity on show from Villa this summer that we can finally just be glad that this is all over and start looking ahead to what's sure to be an exciting season to come really yeah massively uh Simon I'll come to you next I mean we always make jokes about you being the oldest on the podcast so I won't put one out here and my goal will for for be to everyone to be kind to you today um but seeing the amount of people you have seen left in the past is this the one that hurts the most or has there been others um 
it's not really hurt. It's just, it's just like disappointment, really. Um, I think the most similar that it's been in my time is Dwight York when he left all those many, many years ago. Um, but I kind of looking objectively at it, the Dwight York when he, you know, when he went back in '98, and with this one, it hurts. It's sad because you're losing the great player, but. When you look at it, I can I can see why why both moves happen. Like with this one, Grealish is an outstanding footballer who, you know, should be playing in the Champions League. Now, as on the up as Villa are, we're still quite some way, I think, from playing Champions League football. I don't think it's something that we could offer him realistically in the next four or five years without, um, you know, someone like Liverpool or Chelsea just completely imploding one season and us having the season of our lives. So I, I can see why he's made the move. Like I get that fans will be hurt. Um, and I think what does sort of rankle a little bit is the fact that obviously when he signed the deal last summer, he was, um, you know, he was saying how he believed in the projects and, you know, all that kind of, kind of stuff. Um, and we've kind of, we seem to have kept our end of that sort of bargain, if you know what I mean. Like, you know, we progressed from the year before. This summer, we're making some good signings. So you kind of think, well, how much did you really believe in it? But, you know, as I say, if a team like Man City come in and you know you're going to be playing Champions League football and you're playing under Pep Guardiola, um, I can, you know, it's too good to, to turn down. You, you saw... Um, how much Guardiola raised Sterling's game. Sterling was already a very good player when when he went there. So, you know, I'm sure Grealish is probably thinking, God, imagine imagine what level I can still go to. And he'll have seen less talented people than him um, playing the Champions League final last season and win it. And and he'll be thinking, I I should be doing that. So it's just yeah, good is. Um, but you know, I think in the long run it might benefit us. Who knows? Yeah, it, it, it's a wait and see thing. Um, I'll kind of say what I want to say at the end uh, quickly. I know I like to ramble, so I'll leave that for the end of the, this whole discussion about him, and then we'll move on to other stuff. But Seb, you are obviously the youngest person in this in this uh, session of recording, um, and we know that by you not knowing what dial-up internet is from our uh, pre-recording chats in the past. So that kind of dates you, but nonetheless, I mean, this is probably someone for you that might be one of the biggest players or biggest you've ever seen in a Villa shirt so how are you feeling I mean yeah I think by doubt he's the biggest player I've ever seen in a Villa shirt but I think the difficulty with me is he's the first sort of Villa player that I've grown up and watched their whole journey obviously Gabby was at the club when I started getting involved with Villa but I was there for Jack's first game against when he scored his first goal against Leicester. I was there when he was substituted on against Hull. You know, I've been almost on his journey with him. It's almost as if he's been living my dream and I've been there to witness it. So to see that dream suddenly come to an abrupt end, it, I think the right words for it would be it stings considering it feels to not only me, but many of the fan base as though he's done the hard work. He stayed with he would he stayed with us when we went down. I think he mentioned it, you know, he made it his aim to get his club back to the Premier League, which he achieved along with, you know, many other incredible squad players 
who managed to get the club back to where they belong. And now we finally look to be on an upwards trajectory. It feels almost painful that he's decided that his future lies elsewhere at such a promising time. I think there were better times for him to go. But I think looking on the bright side, I'm so glad that fans are allowed back inside stadiums because I think it would have been a lot more difficult to process had games still be behind closed doors. Had we been in this position we were in now last summer when fans weren't allowed back inside, I think this would have made it 10 times worse. But I know I'll be back inside Villa Park on Saturday and I'll be cheering on the 11 players that pull on the Villa shirt, regardless of who they may be. So I'm just looking for the season to start now and I'm excited for this new chapter, this Grealishless chapter. It feels weird saying and hearing that, to be honest, but let's get to Sir Danny Raza here. I know he loves a hot take. Maybe he'll have one here and I love buttering him up for these things. So Danny, the floor is yours. How you feeling? Sorry, I didn't realize we were stepping into a funeral. Lads, come on. It's all right. Look, it's a hundred million. It's a hundred. <laughs> I always said, I always said that the, the club would not sell Grealish unless it was the right deal. This is the right deal. Personally, I'm a grown man. I don't feel hurt or disappointed in a guy, you know, deciding to leave Aston Villa because. Look, at the end of the day, it was his choice. He put that £100 million release clause in. He wanted to play Champions League football. That's fine. At the end of the day, realistically, the club was not going to get into the Champions League two seasons into getting into the Premier League. It just wasn't going to happen. All right? When it comes to, you know, he could have gone, he could have left, this, that, the other. No, look, at the end of the day, when Villa were in their darkest hour under Steve Bruce, when Tony Ziar was... Uh, you know, obviously the owner of Villa, we looked like we could go bankrupt. We could look like the club could turn into AFC, Aston Villa, Wanderers in like, you know, the Ithmian League or whatever it was called at the time. Jack could have gone to Tottenham Hotspur, but we had new owners that came in. They said that £3 million and Josh Onoma isn't going to cut it for a player of Jack Grealish's standards. They were right. Nobody wanted to come in and pay more, pay more than that for Jack as far as we know, right? The club didn't receive a bid that they thought was substantial. Last season, when Man United supposedly came came uh, came looking for Jack, the club didn't receive a bid that was substantial enough to sell him. And why should they? We've seen it with the likes of Wolfred Zaha at Crystal Palace. We've seen it with Harry Kane at Tottenham Hotspur. At the end of the day, these guys, they are all, you know, very, very privileged to be playing football in a job that they love, right? In Jack's case, at a club that he loves, right? At the end of the day, it's the way that it works. You can't just, uh, yeah, you can't just expect to be sold if you're under contract. You can't, right? So, so, so the club have, have held out for Jack. They put a release clause on him. It was a hundred million pounds. Man City came going in. Jack wanted to go. He wanted Champions League football. That's fine. He's entitled to it. I've got no ill feeling towards the guy whatsoever. But at the end of the day, he's just a football player. He's just an ex-Villa player at this point. So he helped the club get into the, get into the Premier League. That was great. Great to see a boyhood, uh, a, a boyhood uh, Villa fan do that. Great to, great to have that for the last couple of years. But the last couple of years were not Villa's good times. 
we've got good times coming ahead. And that's, you know, that, that, that's what I'm looking forward to right now. My summer with Aston Villa is not going to be defined by Jack Grealish. My, my summer with Aston Villa is going to be defined by the club whacking £40 million on a player that they really wanted to get. Whacking £30 million on one of the hottest talents in Europe in, in Leon Bailey. I mean, come on, right? This guy was already playing Champions League football when we took him away from, from Bayer Leverkusen. We, we, we signed Danny Ings with, you know, with absolutely no one having any clue it was going to happen. We would put out a statement as soon as Jack was sold, explaining that we had ambition at the club and that we did it because it was right for us. And that we signed these three players because they were going to give us what Jack had and more. At the end of the day, we've raised our ceiling and we've raised our, we've raised our floor as well. So we're no longer a mid-table club punching up, right? This is now going to be Aston Villa challenging for Europe every season. That's what I want to see. So in terms of Jack Grealish going, I ain't sad. It's happened. It's part of the process. The club moves on. It's £100 million banked and we're a stronger team now. So uh, go, to, go to Man City. You know, it, it is what it is. Kane might come in there. Leon, Lionel Messi might come in there. They might win the title, but it's nothing new. And if Man City win the title, it's not because of Jack Grealish, but uh, he'll get a title regardless. And if that's what he wants, fair play to the guy. But if he wants Champions League football, we'll see him there in a couple of years. Anyway, that's it. That's 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 my that's my thoughts. Bit long. Feel free to edit it out if you want, Cole. Can we put like a round of applause in after that? Because I mean, for as bluntly as Danny put that, and for almost as cold-hearted as it sounded, I think he couldn't have summed that up any better, offering a complete different perspective. But he completely nailed it. And I mean. I feel more geared up just listening to that. I mean, get Danny in the team talks before every game and we're going unbeaten next season. Let's just put it that way. And he's right. I mean, the fact that Perslow came out and addressed the fans as it was announced, I think was, I think it was critical to be done, but very rarely seen before. And something that football fans are almost dying to see more of. You look at clubs like Newcastle who barely hear from their owners and don't know what lies next for their club. I think Perslow put it straight to us. He told us the truth. And as football fans, that's all you can ask. If you feel transparency between yourselves and the football club, then it builds a stronger connection and it helps the foundations of the club and ultimately it helps build connections off the pitch as well. So I think the way in which Villa dealt with it all was very professional and very well worked out. And look, Jack put the release clause there himself. He clearly wanted to go. And I think bar almost the fairy tale path that it seemed as though he was on, had that worked out differently, he would have left in previous years. So look, Danny's completely nailed on. Like it happened. We've got a smile that it happened, but now we've got to smile at the incredible players we've brought in now and the future that this football club holds, because we're not in a, any worse of a position, I'd say, because he's left. In fact, I think we're a more balanced squad. We're a more well-rounded squad and we will be a more capable force next season. Yeah, like I think that's absolutely right. And uh, the thing is, is that Grealish, I think the 
a personal statement to me i'll go back to that for a second i enjoyed that a lot i have to say like this is going to be it's a bit of a difference in uh age i think here i'm slightly more jaded i think than seb is in that i don't necessarily i think if you believe if you 100 percent believe everything that a ceo says to you then i think it's a bit of a fool's game but generally having said that um I, I, how many ceos you get premier league ceos ceos of to be frank any company fronting up the way that personal fronted up today like okay maybe there have been certain parts of the process that could have been handled better for me like the the stuff with the training ground at the start of this week was a bit getting into a bit iffy territory for me where you've got position where you've got social media sleuths like trying to work out who's saying what to who and what a fist bump means while Langer's on the phone like come on now that's I suppose it's the age that we live in with football that's fans, fans man though isn't it that's it not a serious fans though um but like and, and t- but the rest of the way like I think the clubs handled it very very well really um and like you say it's like that it's the well-roundedness that we're building now because Grealish like you got to look at it objectively a hundred million pound for a player who has only played, I think only played more than two thirds of our games in a season one year, um, got glass shins, never played a European game. A hundred, it's crazy money, man. It's crazy money when you look that we've paid. Going back to Bailey, Buendia, Ing, like we've signed Emmy Buendia, Danny Ings from nowhere, Leon Bailey, as Danny says, one of uh, like a genuine European, like hot prospect in European football. Ashley Young won Serie A title last season, back on a free. All that business has been done, and I think if you believe the reported fees, we're about twelve million in profit transfer fees for this window so far. Isn't that absolutely crazy? Like, um. So you just got to keep some perspective, I think. And if we hadn't have had this whole Grealish saga rumbling on, I know it never would have never would have been done this way. But if you look at it hypothetically, you know how quiet the Danny Ings deal was. If imagine Grealish's transfer hadn't been played out in such a blaze of lights and on social media and everything, and that had been quite a lot quieter, and that you know, so we hadn't have had that rumbling on the whole time, we would be going absolutely crazy about the signings that we have made this summer. We were talking before we started recording this. There was a thing, I know it's four years, four years, quite a lot, quite a long time in football, but we were looking at the Villa lineup from four years ago. And to think the strides that we have made in three or four years, that we're at a point now where we are signing players like Leon Bailey without, dare I say, without even overpaying for them, in my opinion. Like, I don't think we've overpaid for any of the players that we've signed this summer. I think we're pretty much bang on market value for, for all three of them, really. Um, and so moving forward in that way, like, how can you not be excited? The only other thing I'll say about Perslow's press conference is I think uh, I've seen fans, I think reading into it incorrectly, because there's been a lot of fans saying, oh, I hope that he's not right. And we haven't finished our business for the summer and everything. I'm not sure we've, you know, we've done enough there. I don't, I don't know if I was wrong, but I did not interpret it that way at all. I interpreted it as we are done replacing Jack Grealish now. I don't be, think for a second there's not more money being spent. Like we said, we're 12 million, we're 12, 10, 12 million quid in profit from transfer fees this window. If Are you seriously telling me you weren't expecting Villa to probably spend net easily 40 to 50 million quid this summer before the summer started? I think we've got, probably two and Zabi coming in as centre-back backup. And I would like to think we've got at least a relatively big money central midfielder coming in. And then if we get that business done, I have to say uh, I'm laughing into, I'm laughing into the season, to be honest. 
Well, I mean, I think a good thing there, Tom, is to go off of is we didn't even see Danny Ings coming. I think actually maybe in one of our pre-recording sessions where we just chat absolute rubbish and just nonsense, um, maybe it got brought up like a month or so ago as a joke or someone said, maybe even Simon said he'd like to see him or something. I can't remember. I don't want to put it on Simon, but no one saw that coming. And even in that little kind of blurb that we got from him, um, him and the interviewer were even saying it's probably the best kept secret transfer that no one saw coming. It happened so quick. Like we didn't even have a photo of the guy to take in a shirt. We just took a literally screenshot of his face basically and plastered it on the club's website. It happened that quick. I still think there's one big signing out there. and I'm going to assume it's a probably a defensive midfielder. Um, whether that's Ward Prowse or not, or whoever, or someone from abroad, um, we're going in the right direction. And as as difficult as it is to move on from Jack Grealish, um, I think for a lot of people, it's probably going to take a little while, some longer than others, which is fair enough. Um, I, I think it's almost more of a healthy thing, to be honest. And it's this thing with the whole media thing too. And I look at it, I don't remember Villa ever getting this much media time when Jack was still at the club. And it was almost like they portrayed Villa as Jack Grealish FC. And although I never believed it, and I know you guys never believed that either. And I know others definitely didn't. I'd almost felt like some people were buying into that without him were nothing. And in itself, I almost think that becomes toxic and over-reliant and I mean, Perzel even said we were over-reliant and we've replaced him not by one player, but by three very talented, capable players that can contribute and there's no over-reliance on the one. So whether he stayed or goed, we essentially were finding options to take the pressure off of him. And I think that's the one thing that we've been crying out for well, since we've been back in the Premier League, you'd have to argue. So there's that to consider and there's everything else I, I, we all know, like if there's ever the chance, I know this is very raw right now, but I've already seen people saying, well, what if he's like 30 years old and he wants to come back? Well, we'll get down that road when it comes. I don't even really want to think about that or really discuss it. Um, but like Tom said, we got a crazy value for this guy. He hasn't even played a European game. He's turning 26. Okay. He's in the prime. He hasn't played a hundred Premier League games. Um, he's injured for probably, you'd have to say, 25 plus percent of every season for as long as I can remember. Um, and honestly, even in the Euros, I didn't even think he looked right. I still think he's carrying something. Maybe that's just me. Um, but he's going to get better. He's going to be playing under Pep, so we can understand that. He's going to get more time on the ball, you'd have to say, because their possession stats are ridiculous. And it, nah, nah, opposite, bro. Like, I don't think so. He's, no, he's going to be competing for the bro. Do you think maybe he's going to be going to be swinging that ball down to down to Jack? Do you think Phil Foden is going to be doing flipping crossfield balls? Do you think whoever's playing false nine because they haven't got a striker yet? By the way, is going to be you know letting Jack play with the ball forever? That ain't going to happen, man. It's I don't Jack's, know though. Jack, Jack's going to get less of the ball and get less fouls, and actually, it might benefit him in the sense that he might well avoid injuries a lot better if he doesn't have to have 50 Hey look, I'm really glad Danny said that because he beat me to clicking my mute button off because I was going to say the exact same thing. You look at City and City <laughs> City are this team that are pass, 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 pass. Oh, Receive the ball, move there. it on, pass, pass, pass. <laughs> Jack's setup was receive the ball, run with it, uh, win a foul essentially at Villa. 
if I had to like really tie it down to the basics, receive the ball, turn with the ball, keep the ball, win a foul, realistically, or move it on. Whereas City are all pick the ball, one or two touch, pass it on, pick the ball, pass it on. And I don't think that's Jack's game. So if he's to play on the wing, whether he'll have to adjust his philosophy for Pep or whether he gets played in central midfielder, and again, he has to adjust his philosophy. Look, it's not going to be a straightforward signing. I mean, look, he's the British record signing, Premier League signing, whatever he may be. So the limelight's going to be on him. Whether he adapts straight away, I'm not too sure, but there's a lot of changing and tweaking that Pep will have to do to get him up to the standard that he wants him at. No, that's fair. Um, I guess I probably... See, I'm not great at phrasing my sentences, and now when I realize I sound like an absolute idiot, what I mean by that is literally City have the ball like 80% of the time, and I feel like with his fee... I mean, I could be wrong. I don't really think Pep cares how much a fee really is for a player. You would assume paying that much he's going to contribute, you would imagine. So that's what I meant with that, but... Yes, you guys are probably right. I will look like a fool right now. I'm okay. Um, I'm the foreign fan, so I'm allowed to at least, that, according to everyone else. Um, and the screw you was a joke, by the way. So please, no one actually think I was serious there. But anyways, anyways, guys, uh, we'll take a very quick break. And then we'll kind of be back with a little bit more probably Danny Ings, um, Leon or Leon Bailey, according to Christian Perslow. However, you want to pronounce that chat after this. And welcome back to the second half of this edition of the Holt cast. We're going to end things on a positive note. Let's get over to Danny Ings and uh, Leon or Leon Bailey, whoever you want to pronounce it. I'll still never get over that because it's pretty obvious it's Leon. But anyways, I've been told differently in the past about other things. Um, I mean, a crazy day yesterday. You're hearing this on the Friday. Uh, that was on the Wednesday. We're recording this on the Thursday. Two signings um, in one day. Danny Ings came out of absolutely nowhere. We've kind of touched on that previously before, but Danny, I'll swing it right back over to you because you're giving me weird looks and I'm going to put you right back under fire. So with those two signings, with Emmy Buendia, with Ollie Watkins, what do you expect from this attack this season? All four of them, Cole. Shit. What? Okay. Um... I said I'm throwing you in, so there you go. (laughs) Well... Look, Danny Ings isn't going to get 20 goals, not in that attack. I, but I tell you what, I think it's quite interesting how, like... So I thought Purcell's announcement sounded a bit like when Vince McMahon announced the Attitude Era at WWE all those years ago, just flipping, setting out his goals, being like, this is a new time, new era, right? It almost seems like they've all come in like Power Rangers with different with different goals. So it's like Buendia's coming in there with the, with the, with the defensive split passing. You've got Leon Bailey, who's going to, you know show his skills, do a little bit of trickery, um, at the same time have that energy that Jack Grealish always provided. And then you've got Danny Ings who'll do the whole bursting into the box. So Danny Ings is actually going to do, in my opinion, what Ross Barkley was supposed to do last season. He's possibly going to force us into a 4-4-2 formation with Watkins, play off him as a support striker, drive into the box, um, and essentially almost be like a more skillful, or more terrifying Darren Bent, almost. Uh, that's that's what I'm seeing from Danny Ings. You got to remember this guy banged in loads of goals seasons ago. But yeah, if he's if he's going to be playing as a support, I don't see him scoring 20, 20 odd goals. Leon Bailey's brilliant. I don't know what to expect from him. I really hope that we see the kind of consistency that he maybe didn't have at Bayer Leverkusen, but actually showed. Um, but also, but actually see the promise. You know that 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 he did provide. I mean, Traore very very similar. 
in that sense, in that world-class player on his day can terrify any defence on his day, but also can be kind of inconsistent. And for Buendia, for me, it's to see if he can make that step up in the Premier League with um, with top, top players around him. So on paper, it's a very, very good attack. But also on paper, it's an attack that you don't quite know if it's going to work yet. So just before we start saying we're going to get into the Champions League top four, these guys are going to need to link up first. They're going to need to take time to get get to know each other a little bit, become familiar, you know, meet the parents. Like this is what's this is what we're going to have to wait and see for. Like these players, they they will link up eventually, hopefully, but we just don't know yet. So there's a lot of potential in there, but that's what you buy. You buy potential. Man City bought potential in Greedish. Uh, we bought potential in these three. So uh, yeah, let's see. Uh, it feels weird saying that about a 29-year-old striker, mind. I mean, when Danny says that people need to become familiar with each other and meet the parents, I think I've already met all of Leon Bailey's sisters, brothers, cousins, uncles, how, <laughs> whatever you may be. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> that was probably the strangest but greatest player announcement video I've ever seen. Um but yeah, he nailed it. I think we were talking beforehand um, just about the possibilities that the attacking players give us. I mean, Smith is known for not liking his two players up front. I don't think, I think I did some digging beforehand and he's used one striker he, or he started the game with one striker in something like 93% of his managerial career. So He's very against go uh, starting with two strikers unless obviously it's later in the game and he's changing his tactics. But yeah, no, Danny's right. Like they're going to have to create a connection and quickly because we need to start the season strongly. I think every team that has a good season starts the season with promise and with character. And, you know, our first three games allow us to do that. If we can realise our potential... And, you know, I don't know whether Leon Bailey will start start or make an appearance against Sevilla. I don't even know if he's in the country yet. If any of you could help me out on that, that would be appreciated. But, yeah, in terms of starting the season, look, it could either go, they'll all start firing on all cylinders and it'll be, well, who's Jack anyway? Or it will be, you know, they're still working on the connection. And, yeah, look, it's a promising time either way. Uh, with the Danny Ing signing, I'm just so excited about it. I think um, Tom mentioned maybe just before we were recording, when the announcement came out last night, uh, this sort of, there was like a giddy excitement about it because, because it just came from absolutely nowhere. But he's such a good player. I think he's quite underrated, really. Um, like for me, I think he's one of the best finishers in the league. He, he just he knows where the goal is and his goal-scoring record at Southampton has been pretty good in the three years he's been there. I think it's basically sort of one in two or just under uh, one in two. Um, and I've seen a, a few sort of uh, fans of other clubs going, oh, you just, you spent 30 million on an injury-prone player. I think he played 24, 25 league games last season and 38 league games the year before. So he's, uh, he's, you know, he's not that injury-prone. But I, I just think as a signing... It just came out of nowhere, obviously, as we said, and so he sort of caught us all by surprise. But we've got genuine competition for Ollie Watkins up front now, which you know we just did not have last season. 
but it gives us an option of playing sort of different formations as well. You can go to up top. I know Seb's sort of just saying there that Smith doesn't tend to do that. I've noticed in the pre-season friendlies, he's tended to go to up top for the second half in some of them games. So whether he's done that sort of just testing the water a bit, preparing um, you know, for the new season with with uh, with things coming in. And, you know, it gives you the option to put Watkins out wide as well, which, okay, you, you he, I'm sure he wouldn't want to do that, having played the last few years through the middle, but he's capable of doing it. Ings is a clever player and can drop deep as well. So it gives you quite a bit of fluidity in, in that sort of front line as well. Um, so yeah, as I say, I'm just, I'm really, really excited about it. I know what Danny said there, there's a few new players that they're going to take time to gel with each other, which is true. But Ings is an experienced Premier League player. Wendy has played in the Premier League before. Ashley Young is an experienced Premier League player. It's only Bailey who's the one that may take a bit of adapting. But um, yeah, I think it's I think there's an exciting season ahead for us, to be honest. I mean, I think that's the thing is I agree about bringing in a lot of uh, new signings, pretty much an entire new forward line, right? Apart from, apart from Watkins, obviously you can't expect everyone to hit the ground running immediately. But what I would say is I think that in the signings that we've brought in, there's enough quality there that even if you take some some of the time to gel, there are going to be, you've got, four players there okay Watkins is a bit more of a workhorse necessarily than a incredibly skillful player you could maybe say similar about Ings but there's enough there are four individuals there who are all perfectly capable of pulling out moments of absolute quality from pretty much any position in the attacking third as well one of the things I love about Ings completely agree in terms of him being like a natural goal scorer and like I feel like he's a real he's a workhorse as well as a predator and it's the fact that he scores tap-ins and he scores stunners like that goal he scored against us in the that ridiculous seven goal game against Southampton last season where he just whacked one out 25 yards barely any backlift top corner was like just it's the kind of thing goal you dream if you're center forward scoring but you also won him on the end there are going to be so many balls played into the box and everything this year um and so having a striker who can kind of in, in theoretically at least do it all is an incredibly valuable thing i already feel like watkins is a very well-rounded forward so with two of them whether they play together or not um it's exciting times as far as i'm concerned the, and, and i mean the, the more general point i guess i'd make about the players we've been signing is isn't it just fantastic to be signing i'm not getting into the whole the whole uh villa arsenal pissing contest again we've been through that let's uh let's let's put that to bed for a while but what I will say is it's fantastic to be signing players who have been sought after by clubs that like to think of themselves as the top clubs like Arsenal, whatever the fans might say to you now, it sounded like Arsenal really wanted Buendia. Um, Leon Bailey, the last couple of years, I think one of the reasons I haven't seen him play very much for Leverkusen, but one of the reasons I was so aware of his name is that I've seen multiple links, Chelsea, Man United, clubs like that in for Bailey based on his form in the Bundesliga and the fact that he's played in Europe and impressed um, Danny Ings like I think we said when we were talking on the the day that Ings signed um, four hours I think before that surprise announcement came in and sent us all sort of giggling like school kids was uh, I'd seen a report in the Guardian I think talking about why he'd be a perfect ta- tactical fit as the attacking focal point for Manchester City or for Chelsea um, obviously that's just a writer's opinion. I had actually, I had seen links as well about big clubs, maybe going in for him as sort of like a left field choice, a center forward. 
for us to be picking these players up, like we, like I said before, not even personally, and at least not even overpaying for the players, paying pretty much what is market value these days, and beating other clubs to their signatures and doing all of this with money that we have more than recouped from selling. Okay, our captain, our boyhood fan, our best player, but an injury-prone player who's never played in Europe before. And I do think I really agree that by moving on from the Grealish era, as I think it's probably now best to frame it, there is such an opportunity here to develop a well-rounded team that is capable of pushing for your Europe, that entertains week in, week out, and that has quality spread far more evenly across the pitch rather than having to seek out your one man, you know, every time you bring the ball forward out of midfield. I find it really I mean, interesting that, like, sorry, Seb, I was just going to say, like, and one of you guys can come into it because, like, but, like, uh, even you, Seb, if you want to, but like, I found it really interesting how Perslow directly, directly said in his statement that there was an over-reliance on, on Grealish and that's why they wanted more quality across the front line. That was just really, really it was, weird. It was actually. very upfront, wasn't it? You do not get that very often. No, because it's like giving away the game, isn't it, tactically for some people? Which, again, weird as well. We haven't heard from Dean Smith all summer. Like, I don't think I've seen the guy open his mouth for months. I don't know whether that plays an, a fact into whether he was isolating or anything. But, yeah, you're completely right. And, I mean, on Danny Ings, I think Simon touched on it just then and hinted at it. But Danny Ings is not an injury-prone footballer. Let's get this straight. He had one horrific, horrific injury that set him back. But in terms of injury-prone there's their worlds apart i mean in the last three seasons he's only missed 22 games and only seven last season and when you compare that to jack we've just sold a player who's missed 31 games in the last three years missing 12 last season and he's just gone for 100 million so you know you can look at it that way or you can look at it at the fact that in 140 games he scored 55 goals and got 13 assists averaging a goal every 187 minutes like we've bought a striker who knows where the back of the net is and is able to find it from multiple distances and multiple ranges and if we're down in a game you know he could be that person that sticks a ball in the back of the net and solely handedly picks us back up and puts us back on our rhythm and lastly on Ings he can play as a on his own, and he can play as a two. I think we saw him strike a good partnership with Shea Adams last year. They struck up a good, successful connection. So if Smith wants to change and become fluid with his formations and go to up top, which is more than a possibility, then, you know, Ings is used to that. We've bought a player that isn't going to have to adapt his game in order to be successful for us. Listen, like, do you want backing up Ollie Watkins? Do you want as much as we love him, like, do you want Keenan Davis? Do you want a Wesley who we're banking on, you know, somehow assimilating back into a team that has, quite frankly, I believe, moved on without him while he's been injured? Or do you want Danny Ings, a man who, in the last two years, I think, non like non-penalty goals, I think it's only Harry Kane who scored more in the Premier League in the last two years. It's just clear upgrades, like, all over the, certainly all over the, uh, the midfield and the attack so far. Um, and it's that squad depth, right? I, 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 it for me, Ings, like I said, I think the fee is, I think the fee is perfectly acceptable in my mind. We'll go back to the old, it's not my money mentality, but not only that, we have the money in pocket. Um, and it's about 
building a side that is more evenly spread and can manage the challenges of a full season, right? How old was um? How old was Darren Bent when we signed him? Are you still going on about that? <laughs> no, 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 no. It's no, it's relevant. It's relevant. Okay. Is it in in what way? I, I think he was about twenty six, maybe twenty five, twenty six. That sounds about right. Yeah, we got a couple of seasons out of him. He saved us from relegation. We paid like twenty four million for him then, right? We're paying pretty much the same price for, for Danny Ings now, except the scenario is here that we're not wanting saving from relegation. We're not throwing money at Ross McCormack because we have to. This is this is now we're spending twenty five million because you know what, having a solid second striker is something which is flipping rare and which is you know almost vital as well for a team to kick on into Europe name me many of name me you know five other teams in the premier league that have that have two uh, two top strikers like we do name me two others spurs don't have to city don't have to so right have like, one. no exactly two uh, you have two probably Arsenal, leicester. They have two. leicester leicester yeah leicester have two you know, fair play. I guess South you could Ham. say, could you kind of say Arsenal if Aubameyang didn't fall off a cliff? <laughs> right. They're not even playing up front. Like, the, yeah, I think, I think, I think, I think the Ing signing is brilliant. I think genuinely it's an absolute masterstroke. You've got, you've got a backup striker in there as well. You've also got the fact that last year, so I've got two things, two, three things, right? You've got a backup striker. You've got an experienced striker who um, is brilliant. Right for the likes of Brad Young and Louis Barry coming up, who better to learn off than, than than someone like Danny Ings, who's you know been you know a couple of goals off the Ballon d'Or a couple of years ago and consistently been banging in goals in the Premier League, apart from uh, a time when he was at Liverpool where they were just signing anybody, you know, um, and regardless of whether or not they were going to play them or not. And then, yeah, thirdly. Last season, we saw at the end of the season when Keenan Davis was being brought on, we changed to a 4-4-2. We actually got points that way. And it wasn't necessary that it was Keenan Davis, even though, you know, it was it was good. It was good of him to have come in and, and obviously got those goals. Well, he didn't, I think he got like one goal, get get a couple of assists and all that, change the game. But when we changed into a 4-4-2, it really did um it really did win us games. It really did get us points when we needed them. And I think the fact that we've now got someone like Danny Ings to come in and be able to give us that option. It's big for us, and it will it will get us points guaranteed. So I like, literally twenty four million is nothing, man. Twenty five, whatever it is. It's a great point about like the mentoring, like Louis Barry and Brad Young as well, and also like I'd extend that point, Danny. I'd say he'll make Ollie Watkins a better striker. He like I really genuinely believe that he will, because um, Watkins already I, I see Watkins as a very very talented all round striker who's still a little rough around the edges. Like Ings is been through a lot in his career as well right like with the, the move to Liverpool that is certainly fair to say didn't pan out the way that he would have wanted that to pan out like these are all life lessons that serve you very well I think um even as a professional footballer um and so I I, I think he'll I really do I think he'll attack he'll improve our attack from the first team down to the to the youth I think it's a great point I've got a question for some of the other lads and I'd like to hear their opinions on it but with the signing of Ings would you be happy to see Watkins pushed out wide or are you firmly in the stance of look he earned his right to play down the middle last season Ings has got to fit around that instead of Watkins fitting around Ings if that makes sense I think um, I think Watkins is certainly on the right to start the season playing down the middle Um, but you know it's it's kind of it's a difficult sort of question to answer because you've got to see see it in action haven't you I mean the 
it may be a case that they can't play together. I personally think that they could, and I, I think that we'll see that on a few occasions. And it, it depends on the opposition as well, doesn't it? You know, there'll be certain games where you just you can't afford to have two at the top and sort of lose that control in the middle. But um, yeah, I think I, it, certainly for the start of the season, I think it, it'll be starting with Watkins starting down the middle. But um, but I think they're both capable of of playing in various positions in that sort of forward line. So. I, as I sort of said earlier, I think I think you'll see quite a bit of fluidity and a bit of movement around there. Yeah, I think fluidity is going to be like a key word. With like with Watkins, I get that he can like play out wide, but for me, like the fact that somebody has played in a position before in their career and done relatively well there doesn't mean that they should go back to play in that position. I think he's more than earned his right um, to be a starting centre forward. I was going to say our starting centre forward, but certainly one of two, um, depending on how we play. I agree, it's going to. It's going to vary based on the opponent. But like the thing I love about Watkins so much starting up front is like he's that high pressing forward. He leads from off, leads from the front, and that is entirely our attacking style. Um and so I, I think I'm a bit worried that we would weaken ourselves by moving ourselves out wide, but moving Watkins out wide, I should say. But I, I like the idea that we've talked about of like Ings maybe playing us the slightly deeper of two strikers. But it all comes back to the word that Simon's used a couple of times, I think, which is fluidity. Like we've got so much more flexibility, fluidity in our attack now, rather than giving the ball to Grealish and relying on Grealish to find Watkins, which is essentially what our game plan was uh, for the entirety of last season. And Watkins running the line, backwards line, flipping. That was it. It was just Watkins run, run all over the place. We'll, we'll find you. <laughs> yeah um yeah you cut me off girl there danny my bad um anyways uh before we wrap things up i know danny wanted this mention so um we'll add this in as a nice little spicy thing at the end just as a quick fire answer from everybody before we wrap things up um seb i'll start with you if there's one player for the rest of this window that you want villa to sign and be realistic who would it be I mean, before you're trying to be realistic in there, I think the messy rumours today spoke for itself. But realistically, I mean, there's we need a central midfielder, in my opinion. I mean, I'm I'm regarding this as we've already signed Twanzebi as our backup centre-back. I think I don't want to go for the obvious choice. And I don't think we'll get Ward-Prowse either. I think for the money that Southampton would want, without going too deep into it, the money that Southampton would want, and the money that Langer and Co would be willing to pay, I just don't think that coincides. And this close to the season, I can't see Villa making any key transfers past the Watford game. I think as soon as we kick off at Watford, we should have our team there or thereabouts without sounding too Steve Bruce. So I think my signing would be looking abroad for a central midfielder because you can find some cheaper options over there, especially in the Eredivisie. He was linked with Atalanta a few a few weeks ago and, you know, they're building a very good team and they're quali- consistently qualifying for the Champions League. But Team Coop Miners of AZ Alkmaar, I think AZ are really struggling at the moment and I think we'd be able to get him for a relatively cheap fee. I mean, there's been no links whatsoever to him, but, you know, I think that would make my day if we signed him from a personal standpoint. Yeah, there's a link right now. So, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, Birmingham Mail, hit me up, please. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, I reckon the thing is, I I agree. I think central midfielder is. If I had to, if we were making one more signing, it would definitely be a central midfielder. And I think personally, I agree about Ward Prowse. I think we're going to over. I 
don't think we will get that deal done. And I'm also not entirely sure that I necessarily want us to get that deal done. Like he's a great player. Don't, don't get me wrong. But I, if I'm Southampton, I'm not selling James Ward-Prowse for less than 50 million pounds, especially to Aston Villa who have a hundred million pounds in their pocket now. Um, Premier League captains in England, England internationals do not come cheap for me as well. Like I Ward-Prowse is a, he's a, he's a great player, but I think a with Grealish having gone, the appeal of signing Ward Prowse is slightly reduced by the fact that we are not going to, we're simply not going to be winning probably half the number of free kicks that we were winning with Grealish in the team. I think that's just a realistic fact. And then also like our centre backs, I love Mings, I love concert. We're hardly known for scoring headed goals. Right? It's not like they are like the amount, the amount of times I can think of uh, Esri concert having pretty much a free header and it's sailing over the bar. So like, I'm not sure that buying a player, who's one of his main attributes is set piece prowess is, is necessarily worth it for like 50 million quid. It's interesting because we're talking about Southampton. Another rumor I'd seen was that we might be in for uh, Oriol Romeo, um, their defensive midfielder. I don't want him, but I want that type of player is what I want. Like, I don't want, I don't necessarily want Romeo as, as the signing. I'm not necessarily, necessarily saying him as the name. I'm saying very much that's the mould of midfielder I would like us to sign. I don't really think we need like a Ward-Prowse ball-playing midfielders. I feel like we have several. I, I want somebody who can compete with Nakamba and maybe like I love Marv, but I'm not sure he's ready to uh, play 30 games a season or whatever. So I'd like to see a midfielder whose main approach to the game is sort of breaking it up um, and offloading the ball to, quite frankly, our pretty outrageous array of talent in midfield and attack. I agree that that's the type of midfielder that we need. But I don't know why I've just got this feeling that it's going to be Ward Prowse that we're going to bring in. Um, I think the point that you're saying about how much money it will cost, I don't think that will really make much difference because... You know, it's not like our owners are short of a few quid anyway. And, you know, with Grealish going, that's the three players you've already signed paid for already. So, you know, they I don't think they think twice about chucking 40, 50 million quid out there. I really like him as a player. I don't think he's the midfielder that we need, but I've just got this feeling inside that that, that deal is going to happen fairly soon. I, I don't, I've got nothing to base on. It's just got feeling I've got that I think he'll end up as a better player. He's missed like Southampton's last three preseason games, I think. Not that that necessarily means anything. And they were, there was a lot of talk about how the Ings deal took Southampton's players completely by surprise. I sort of wouldn't be surprised if we do end up going in for uh, for Ward Prowse, but yeah. Yeah, I thought I think fans were calling it. What was it they were calling it? Um, they said they got they got taken by surprise. I've forgotten the phrase, man. Um, but like, yeah, they, it was pretty much just just out of nowhere for them. And it was like five minutes before kickoff, wasn't it? Before a kickoff in a, in a friendly game, which is crazy. But yeah, I actually agree with Simon. I I I th- I think the Ward Prowse deal is happening. If they want Ward Prowse, they'll sign him. Like they're not going to ask for more than 45, 50 million. And if if Villa really really do think he's the midfielder that they want, they'll they'll go for him. If we can give ourselves some defensive solidity, I think that's what we want uh, more than anything. So yeah. I don't know who that guy would be, uh, to be honest. So for me, for now, I'd probably say Ward Prowse because he's the best that I've that I've heard linked. Yeah. So I think I think forty million get him. 
like you say as well, like if we do end up, if we do drop like 40 or 50 million on Ward Prowse, like we were saying earlier, we're, we're in profit this summer for like 10 million. So like if we, if we sign Ward Prowse and, and Tuan Zebi on loan and we deal it there and we've spent net like 30 to 40 million pounds this summer, like that is incredible work. That really is like, especially getting like a hundred, you know, a hundred million for a, as we've gone over, like a player who's injury prone and also in some ways you could argue is detrimental to the way that we play. Um, that would be an incredible summer of business. Oh, absolutely. Um, well, guys, you know what? We've probably been going for, I'm going to assume, almost an hour um, from the two sessions that we've done. Uh, so I think we'll wrap it up there. Um, I think we've let enough uh, venting out with Grealish, but enough excitement to look ahead to. And you know what? At the end of the day, we're going in the right direction. Um I'm believing in the project. I've believed in many projects before this and um, they didn't really exactly go to plan, but it finally seems like we're on some kind of upswing and you know what? I'm just going to believe it. Why not? At this point, we can only be fans. We're here to enjoy it. And hopefully this next season will uh, be an entertaining and enjoyable one, but uh, nonetheless, we'll be back probably within the next uh, hopefully few days with our kind of pre uh, season predictions, a little bit of a preview thing. We'll kind of go over a few things that we hope and expect to see um, this upcoming season. But uh, yeah, we'll leave things there. Thank you everyone for listening. Thank you to all these gentlemen for joining me. Of course, if you want to find them on Twitter, I'll leave, of course, their Twitter handles in the description below. Of course, you can tweet the team at 7500 to Holt, email the Holt, uh, the podcast, I should say, Holtcast at gmail.com. I'm very disappointed. I haven't messed that up in about two months, but there we go. We'll start over again. But anyways, uh, we'll leave it there. Good things are coming, guys. We'll just have to be a little bit more patient. The season's almost here, but don't forget, up uh, the villa. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.